and you're getting higher and higher. You're gaining an elevation. You're looking over to your right shoulder. The sun is on your left shoulder, shining light, very lovely afternoon light. The sky overhead is just sapphire blue, not a cloud in it. The wind is lightly blowing across the landscape, and you just want to get out of that car and just walk forever. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm Gail, your host, and today you may be joining me for a virtual travel session to the Narrows in Zion National Park. Uh, Now, right now, uh, many of the parks are closed, or at least of the time that we are recording this, Uh, so just please check uh, those particular sites uh, before planning any of these trips. But right now, hopefully you're gathering some bucket list trip ideas for maybe 2021 and beyond. Uh, so I interviewed Lynn Smith um, back in December about her trip to Zion and going to the Narrows, which is the narrowest part of Zion Canyon. And it was part of an epic road trip that she went on. Um, You can go back and and review some of those episodes that we had uh, Lynn on, um, including going to see Monument Valley. Arches National Park, and she's even been with us for years. Uh, Lynn did a fantastic episode about visiting the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica, as well as uh, Milford Sound in New Zealand. Uh, I love having Lynn on the show because she really knows how to travel. You know, she researches the trips. She comes up with the best itinerary. She does her homework. She is prepared. Prepared. Um, so I, I hope you enjoy this episode with Lynn on um, going to the Narrows in Zion National Park and keep on having those travel dreams because we will all be out there hopefully soon. Hi, Lynn. Welcome back to Experiences That You Should Have. Uh, Hello, Gail. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And for you listeners out there, Lynn has been on many podcast episodes with us, including um, Discovering Arches. Uh, We talked about um, various parts of the Grand Canyon. We've talked about the Osa Peninsula. We've gone to New Zealand with Lynn. It's a... it's been a wild ride, Lynn. You're taking us everywhere. <laughs> well, I don't think I travel near as much as many people have the opportunity, but I'm I'm just delighted to be able to share my observations and my excitement and my enthusiasm for getting out and about and getting in the great outdoors. Oh, I love it. And and you have a knack for also finding hidden gems along the way. And I, I hope to uh, hop into some of those hidden gems today because we're talking about a very popular area, um, but it's something I haven't done yet. And it's called the Narrows. It's, it's the Narrows Hike in Zion National Park. And I am so excited because this is definitely on my list and you just did all the homework for me. Thank you, Lynn. 
<laughs> well, we'll find out when when we talk about <laughs> how many <laughs> <the> arrows. <laughs> Okay, so Lynn, let's dive on into the Narrows. What? Okay, what is the Narrows? If someone may not know what the Narrows is, yeah, I didn't know what the Narrows was for maybe until a couple of years ago. Speaking with some friends at a pool party in the summertime, and we were exchanging hiking tales, and somebody mentioned the Narrows hike in Zion, and I went, Zion, yeah, yeah, we're we're planning to go out there. So tell me about this hike. So the more they told me about it, the more I went, okay, I'm definitely going to put that on my punch list and see what we can do to build a portion of our 10-day trip, planned trip out west, and embrace this hikes. And uh, being hikers, we like to hike in different environments, rainforests and deserts, and this was our desert trip. So I went, oh, great. Well, what is the Narrows? Well, it turns out to be, I think, one of the better descriptions I picked up is actually on the Zion, the National Park NPS website, Zion, and I just lifted a little small descriptor here, but it sure captured it as the Narrows hike in Zion being one of the premier hikes in the park and on the Colorado Plateau, which is where Zion and other parks are located. Uh, And many would agree, I think, that this is the slot canyon that all other slot canyons are compared to. And for those of you, I won't go into a lengthy description, but a slot canyon is basically picture yourself walking in water or maybe on a very soft sandy sort of like beach sand, deep sand, and having these rocks, beautiful, gorgeous, red, pink, magenta, orange, yellow, gold, maroon, um, rocks just coming up very close to you and in a very, very narrow canyon where the walls are just on either side of you. And the gap between those walls could be 200 feet, could be as little as 20 feet, could be so close that you can barely squeeze through. And I'm not a big person. And looking up at the sky and there's just this like crack of sky showing above and, and above could be 50 feet, 100 feet, or in the case of the Narrows hike, at its highest point, those walls are some 1,500 feet above you and a mere 20 feet apart. So you just have the sliver of blue sky that you see. And imagine yourself in hip deep, ice cold, fast running water that's threatening to throw you off your feet. Doesn't that sound like fun? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, really, you know, I thought, oh, great. What is this? You know, I have to be like the adventurer and be ultra fit. And I got to go get in the gym for six months and get ready to do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me just look into this thing. So the more I looked into it, I wanted to say, figure out, oh, we only have a couple of days to spend in Zion National Park, which is about three hours northeast of uh, Las Vegas as part of our uh, a much broader plan to do what's called the Grand Circle, which was hitting some of the mighty five national parks um, down in Arizona near the Grand Canyon and working our way up into the northeast corner of Utah and then back around to the west and back down to Las Vegas. So I knew our first stop would be Zion. I went, oh, well, let's spend a couple of nights in that area and let's get into the park at least one full day. Okay, so what do you do if you only have one full day in a national park because you need to get up early the next morning and head for your next stop. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to maximize our day at Zion and I looked into the Narrows and I thought, well, you know, you don't have to take all day. The more I looked at it, there's, there's a top down where where it's basically a river that's flowing through this up to 1500 foot chasm of walls above you. Crystal clear water, really pretty, Mm -hmm. um, nice slippery bottom. 
And you can either spend like all day or an overnight going from the top of the Virgin River, which is what flows to the Narrows, in National in Zion National Park. You can take a couple of days to do the, the hike, or you can take all day. And I didn't think I wanted to spend, you know, six or eight or ten hours doing a hike. I didn't think I was up for it, really. And because we had, you know, another nine days to go, I needed to save some energy. So I discovered this bottom-up uh, description of the Narrows hike, which most people take because most people just don't have the time or the resources or or the energy or they don't want to take a full day to hike the entire length of the canyon that the Narrows is a, a key component of. So I looked into that and I discovered that uh, in looking at it, I went, well, it's kind of a busy place too. And what sort of preparation is it going to take? Wonder how early we have to get there and so forth. So I'll, that's what I'll be talking about here. And I'll, I'd like to launch into this with just a very brief um, kind of heads up that Zion National Park is ranked, I think, like number four among America's most visited national parks. And believe it or not, ahead of Yellowstone and Yosemite. I mean, those are really busy parks. Wow. But yeah. I mean, if you look at it, you can Google it and kind of figure it out. But basically, it's really popular, like over four million visitors come to Zion each year. And, and I think most of them come during the the height of the you know summer season vacation season which mm -hmm. is the summer and into the late summer from the spring to the late summer so believe me it can be a very busy bustling mass tourism experience you've got buses coming in there you've got parking lots you've got a whole town the town of springdale that sprung up at the entry uh, of zion national park so you, it's definitely worth doing your homework, and I'll, I'll share some tips here how you can efficiently get in and get out and experience uh, just one of many hikes, many hikes, and many things you can see on Zion. But it is really a premier slot canyon hike, and based on the other slot canyons that we went in, I would definitely say this was just killer hike. I'm, I'm glad we did it. Mm. I'm amazed that we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So how many of you in your party did the hike? Uh, there were only two of us, which made yeah. planning really easy and we're traveling light, so to speak. So it was just the two of us. And um, uh, looking into this, I thought, OK, so wait a minute. Um, hmm, summertime, slot canyons. Uh, aren't there like issues with flash floods? And so, of course, if you go to the National Park site for Zion, and uh, if you look at other sites that talk about the Narrows hike and slot canyons in general, especially those that may have a river running through them, like this does have the Virgin River, mm -hmm. a flash flood can really, they'll kill you. And mm -hmm. there's just no warning. You can be in the, you, you know, you could be a couple of hours into a hike and suddenly something happens that you don't want to have happen. So, and you get lots of warnings about this. All the visitors hear about this and learn of this as they approach the, the planning for their trip. Or taking this hike so the trick here is keep a close eye on the weather forecast and uh, it's easier to look up the town of Springdale Utah which is that mm -hmm. mm, entry point for Zion National Park it's a very touristy town uh, lots of restaurants and hotels and they've got a shuttle service there that provides that links into the shuttle surface uh, service for Zion so the trick is if you're planning your trip well in advance as we planned ours, you know, like five months in advance, you just want to understand, hmm, if I'm looking up a weather report, I want to look up Springdale because that'll probably be more accurate than anything else. 
and just look out to any opportunities for rain in the area. And there's also a wilderness desk at the Zion Visitor Center. So mm-hmm. when you enter the visitor center, you can just you know walk into the visitor center, look for the signage, and go to the wilderness desk, and they can give you up-to-date information on the conditions in the river. Because if the water is too high, if it's rained recently, if, uh, if you've decided to come early in the year, which we did not, we came in September, so it was dry, rather dry conditions, thank goodness, but snow melt, obviously, uh, rainy season, those kinds of things can definitely impact your ability to even do this hike. And uh, they will close it down. The park will close it down if it's just not safe. But so a word to the caution, you know, keep an eye out on your weather. Uh, know if, that if you're going during a couple, of, a, day, a couple of days that you've planned to stay, keep an eye on that weather right up to the day before you plan your hike early in the morning. And um, again, we took the bottom up route, which is mm-hmm. something you can easily do in a half day. So the first trick there is basically to get there. So getting to Zion is a little bit tricky. You would think you could just drive up to an entry point and pay your entry fee, your park fee for the day, and go in and park and catch a shuttle and go to uh, the shuttle stop, which I'll explain in a moment, that'll take you to the Narrows hike. But actually, it turns out that because it is such a popular park and there's so much traffic there, my first recommendation is, beyond any other, get there early. Mm-hmm. At the height of the hiking season, and we were there again in late September, which is late summer, very, very early fall, that place was packed. Now, the first shuttle will come, will run within the park at 6 a.m. Well, we didn't make that one because it was a little too chilly that morning that we woke up. But mm-hmm. we did manage to get to the park by about 7.30, and we chose not to, to sit in the queue, the traffic queue at the entry in our vehicle, and wait, you know, burn 20 or 30 minutes just waiting to get to the entry. And then after that, you'd have to drive around and look for parking near the visitor center. I found it was much easier to park <clears throat> just outside the park at the Zion Outfitter store. Can't mm-hmm. miss it. It's right next to the main entrance. It's just to your right as you're queuing up. There's a line of cars, and you'll see to your right the Zion Outfitter. There's also a little restaurant, a couple of other some things there, I think, public restrooms. But you can park there, and from there you can just walk. Right next to the Zion Outfitter store is a lovely little pedestrian path that will take you right into the Zion Park, and you can go into the visitor center there, and you can pay your fee for the day, your day use fee, mm-hmm. which is great. And then so now you you're not waiting it. in the car line. Yeah. Very smart. Why, why would you want to yeah, burn 30 minutes or whatever? I mean, that was a, a long car line, even at, what, 745, I think, in the morning when we showed up. Mm-hmm. So it's a good idea to do your homework. You can also look up where other parking fee lots are in Springdale, in the town of Springdale. There's There's three or four lots getting further and further away from the entrance, and these are all fee lots. You, you pay at the kiosk there. It's... Um, you know, you just put your money in an envelope kind of a thing or uh, use a, a credit card or a debit card. But uh, I do suggest that you do, don't do wait and try to park inside the park. Park outside the park. And if you end up parking down the road a little bit in Springdale at one of the other fee parking places because you couldn't get into the Zion Outfitter store parking lot, which is not a fee lot, I don't think. I may be wrong there, but I can't remember. <laughs> Didn't look it up. Um, 
And Springdale has shuttles that just run right along. There's just one main street there in Springdale. Main Street? I don't know. Springdale Street, something mm-hmm. like that. But you park right along that street and you just step out and there are shuttle stops every, you know, a couple hundred feet. So you just jump on the Springdale shuttle, which is a free shuttle, and it'll take you right up to the drop you off in front of the visitor center. So if mm-hmm. you end up parking further away, catch a Springdale town shuttle. It'll take you to the visitor center from there, pay your fee and jump on one of the Zion Park shuttles. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so just as a hint, we were there at 8.15 in the morning. We were at the main outgoing shuttle uh, waiting place there at the visitor center. And we still ended up waiting mm, 10 or 15 minutes to get on the first shuttle. Yeah. There was still a line, a queue of people at 8.15 in the morning. So if you can get there before 8 o'clock, you would do well. You really would. Go ahead and catch one of those earlier shuttles. And again, the, sh- the first shuttle runs as early as 6. Now, my caution about that is you're going to be in a slot canyon that's very narrow, and that means the sun does not penetrate that canyon until midday. Uh-huh. So it can be chilly because you're hiking in, you know, 40-some-odd-degree water up to <laughs> your waist at times. Uh, that, that is if you don't fall down. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Cold and you're in the shade. And the wind, you know, even if there's a light breeze, it can be channeled between those narrow walls of the chasm of the slot canyon and so needless to say this can be a very cold experience so you might want to think about hmm i don't know about that 6 a.m shuttle maybe the 7 a.m shuttle anyway let's say you're on the shuttle and you're leaving the visitor center and it takes you about 20 minutes to ride the shuttle because you're going to stop at i think 10 or 11 stops on your way up the shuttle run Uh so you're going to end up at the furthest shuttle stop which is called the Temple of Sinawava. You don't have to memorize it. You've got signage everywhere. You've got the shuttle stop, you know, the big signs at the visitor center. You've got the nice little map there at the shuttle stop while you're waiting to catch the shuttle. And But it's the Temple of Sinawava, which is the last stop on the shuttle. So remember, that shuttle is going to be stopping at every one of those 10 or so points on the way. And that's a great ride. It really is. You get a glimpse of what you would see. It's, oh, when we finish this hike, let's stop here on our way back. No, let's stop here on Mm -hmm. our way back. No, let's stop here. I want to take that hike. You know, it's easy to spend a whole day there. But anyway, our goal was to get up to the last shuttle stop. And there we got out and we followed the paved and a wheelchair-friendly riverside walk. And that goes for about a mile along the north fork of the Virgin River. And that's mm-hmm. the river, again, that flows through the Narrows. So you can see, oh, it's just gorgeous. Oh, it's it's really wide at that point. You can see the gravel river down below you, and you're walking along this lovely paved path. And there are restrooms over here, and there's some you can fill up your water bottle over here if you want to top up. And you look out to your left, and beautiful. The mountains of Zion, you're in Zion National Park. It's just, uh, you know, jaw dropping. It's beautiful. And those Uh rocks early in the morning and the deep shadows and the little squirrels running around and begging you for goodies. Please don't feed the squirrels. (laughs) They are really brazen. They are brazen. Don't drop your pack down and go into the restroom and now they'll get into your pack, you know, have somebody (laughs) back for you. So anyway, we walked along. So it, so you've got a mile walk along a nice paved road there. And lots of people just uh, who may not be there to hike enjoy just walking this path. 
And it's very nice. It's quite wide, maybe four or five feet, six feet wide, maybe more, maybe eight feet. It's really pleasant. I was like, oh, this is a great little path here under the trees uh-huh. in the shade. Um, so from there, uh, as we get toward the end of that paved path, now you can kind of see around the corner and the gravel river really begins now that you can really hear the water and you're approaching it and you're going downhill and you're getting closer to the water and you can see people down below you who are starting to go across this wide part of the river. It's probably as wide as a four lane highway. And you can see it. that water's rushing along. It's about, well, shin deep on me and I'm five, five. And people are kind of hesitant. They're hesitantly stepping off <laughs> into this mm-hmm. cold water. You know, it's going to be cold. And the water's really rushing, but you just see these, the walls are starting right there. You're not up to 1,500 feet, but they're a couple of good 100 feet above you. And you're at a very wide part of the river, but you can see where it's starting to narrow around the next bend. And like, oh, okay, all right, here we go. So <laughs> we stepped off. And uh, we were properly geared up, and I'll, I'll certainly share some tips about being properly geared up. But the key component for us was we had our hiking poles with us. And, you know, I had both of those poles in my hands as I stepped off into, at, at first, what was ankle-deep water. And, um, and then it got a little bit deeper out in the middle of the river, and you're kind of picking your path and people around you. There weren't very many people there at the t- that early in the morning, but, uh, you know, I was mm-hmm. kind of looking at where other people were going, and I saw somebody up to their waist, and I'm like, well, I don't think I'll go over there. I'll go over here. It's only up to uh-huh. my feet. <laughs> but, <laughs> so that's your introduction, and I have to tell you, you can't help but be nervous. I don't care how experienced you are it's just there's mm-hmm. just something strange about stepping out into a strange river where the the light is glinting on it and the sound of the river is so overpowering it's so present and people mm-hmm. are shouting to have their voices heard above it and some folks are running around taking pictures and shooting video or whatever but you're just concentrating at least i was on staying on my feet because i did right. not want to fall in that cold wet water and uh, and we saw a few people slip as we went around the next bend, and we ended up on a in a bend in the river, and we're up on a bank, and you're kind of walking around in the soft um, sand, and it's gravelly and it's slippery, and rocks are slipping under your feet, and you have to watch where you put your feet, and but you're you're out of the water for a little bit, you're like oh okay, and then you can see where it's time to get back in again up ahead, and. You look at the people, one or two people up there, and you see that somebody's up in the waist deep water, and you're like, uh oh. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Make sure that this stuff in my dry pack is secure and that my phone is secure because I think I'm going to get a little bit wet. I don't have anything in my pockets or anything like that. So right. here we go. So you can tell it's starting to narrow, the walls are starting to get higher. And of course, as the river narrows, the water, the speed of the water as it's flowing is getting faster. And I found myself looking down to that clear water and really glad that I could see through it. It had not rained and it wasn't muddy or anything because I really needed to pick my, my where I put my feet carefully because I'm telling you, walking on that bottom through that river is like walking on slick bowling balls. That is oh not an exaggeration. Gosh. Right. Oh, so if you have a bad ankle like I do, put it in an ankle brace, which I did, mm-hmm. and get a stick. At least have a stick, if not hiking poles, to help you balance. Because if you're looking down to that clear water, you're looking at the bottom, but you're seeing all this water flash between the bottom and, you know, the top of the water, the bottom of the river and the top of the water. It can be disorienting having that fast movement of water in front of your eyes. 
And mm-hmm. after a while, you can, and if you slip just a little bit, you can go splash and get soaked in that cold water. So anyway, pick your steps carefully, which means that you're thinking, oh gosh, this is taking forever. Yep, it will take forever. And uh, you're probably not going to get as far up, at least we didn't get as far up that river as we thought we might, because it was slow go. It was slow, careful. And also, frankly, as the sun came up a little bit higher, it started lighting up the inside of the walls of the slot canyon. As the canyon started to narrow around each bend, it might open up on the right and we would see some water flowing off in a waterfall, a light waterfall off to the right. And there's some hanging gardens that are very lush and green hanging off the side of the uh, slot canyon and so there's lots of opportunities to roll video and take pictures and stand over here and let me take a picture and somebody comes by and you'll take their picture for them so uh, we just kind of took our time and started working our way up and one of our first stops along the way or at least a, a point of reference is what's referred to as mystery falls which is about two miles up and into the canyon itself And it's really beautiful. Again, the water is just rolling down those sandstone walls from the canyon above. And you're like, ah, and the sound of the river is so overpowering. And the air is so fresh and chilly. (laughs) And the water Mm -hmm. is so clear and cold. And (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we wanted to make it up to Wall Street. I was like, come on, we've got to get to the narrowest section of the canyon where we're going to be in water all the time. There's not going to be any opportunity. There aren't going to be any sandy banks on either side. It's just going to be sheer sides of that canyon running right down into the water and the water is rushing by. So sometimes you're hiking over here on the right hand side and sometimes you're in the middle of the river and sometimes you're over here to the left and sometimes you're zigzagging because you're trying to find the least slippery, the least deep, and maybe an area where the water isn't quite rushing too quickly by. So Mm -hmm. um, that's our goal was to get up to Wall Street. And the reason this area is called Wall Street, I suppose, one of the reasons is just because this is where those walls go up that 1,500 feet over your overhead. And you're Mm -hmm. standing in the riverbed, and the riverbed's only about 20 feet wide at that point, 22, 25 feet wide. I mean, you don't want to stand in the middle of the river forever, but I'm balancing. I'm sort of hanging on to my hiking poles with one hand. I've got my phone camera out in the other hand. <laughs> I've got one leg upstream and one leg downstream. I've got myself as firmly planted as I can for the moment. And now I'm craning my head way back so I can aim the vertical, you know, hold my camera in such a way that I can try to capture this scene. And you just mm-hmm. can't get it in one shot with your camera. You just can't. You because it's just too tall and skinny without putting it on panorama from the Mm -hmm. water all the way up to that blue sliver of sky up there and the red rocks and the oranges and the pinks and the magentas and all the different colors are really starting to show because it was about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 10, 15 in the morning, maybe 11 when we got up there. So the sun was starting to get overhead and penetrate the slot Canyon. So our goal was, let's just get somewhere where the sun is shining down into the canyon and we can sit in the sun like a couple of lizards on a rock and warm up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we found that place. And it was great. You could take off your shoes and your neoprene socks and shake all the grit and sand out of them and take off your windproof jacket and lay it over a, a rock and 
pull out your food from your waterproof day pack or your waterproof bag and have a little snack and drink lots of water because we packed water with us. And I was so glad we packed a snack, a protein bar, and just relax for a bit. Because by the mm-hmm. time we got up to Wall Street and took a break, we were a good uh, two and a half hours in, like 30, 10, 30. Yeah, right about two and a half hours it took us to get up to that section. And um, I, I would have loved to have gone further. I mean, there's so many places. If you read different descriptions, again, a very popular place. So there's lots to read, a mm-hmm. lot of information out there on the Internet. And I do recommend the National Park website. They've got the best and the most current information uh, describing this hike. But you can go as far as you want to and turn around. But just I think my caution here would be make sure you bring water, bring a snack, make sure you're clothed and that your foot gear is proper and appropriate mm-hmm. for what you're mm-hmm. going to experience and uh, allow yourself the energy. Make sure you have the energy to come back because it's going to be just as precarious. Every step will be just as calculated coming down the river as it is going up the river. Very well said, Lynn. Wow. I mean, what, what an experience. I You just painted that picture so well in my head. And so when you start the hike, you you get up to Wall Street, and then do you, do you just essentially just turn back around and exit where you started? Sure, because we at that point we were at the it's a six miles round trip roughly from uh-huh. the shuttle stop where you pick up your shuttle to Wall Street. So it's three miles up approximately to Wall Street. Take a break, have a snack, uh, recoup. All right. <laughs> turn around and go back. So you're going to be hiking six miles and you might be like, Oh, six miles, big whoop. You know, that's not so hard, but again, the condition- but you're in a rushing river. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a little and, different. And, yeah. Four of those six miles are in and along the Virgin river. So mm-hmm. you're not going to have a whole lot of gravel bars to be walking on and Sandy beaches or a couple here and there. But as the morning progresses and you get closer to midday, especially this time of year that we went, which was late September, the crowds caught up to us by midday. I mean, right. what had started out as maybe three or four people in our section that we were mincing along the river turned into three or four dozen people. So uh-huh. that when we turned around, I was just like, whoa, <laughs> as far down river as I could see, it was just looked like little ants people Mm -hmm. crossing the river and uh, the sandy banks are kind of crowded with people resting and, you know, taking pictures and whatever. So we were like, okay. And by the time we got out and got back on, on the shuttle and started to head back, it was, we'd already, but we'd been out for about four and a half hours since we arrived at the park that morning. So we were pretty tuckered out. So what percentage of the hike is is the water above? Like, is it 50% of the hike? No. You're, you're really trudging through 75? 5%. The first, the first 10 or 15 minutes is shallow water, maybe. <laughs> After that, you're going to be in it up to your knees because there will be places where you take one step and you've just gained six inches in water because you stepped over here and because the rocks are that mm-hmm. uneven. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like the bottom of the river is this nice, nice, even paved you know, area. Some of those rocks are the size of, you know, tables. Others are the size of small chairs or plates yeah. and others. Uh, but they're rocks. They're just big, rounded, rounded from millennia of rock of water moving over them, smooth, 
glassy, shiny, yeah. mossy, slippery bowling balls. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you see people wearing wetsuits or dry suits to stay warm in this freezing cold water? Uh, no, I mean, I call it freezing, but it, you know, if I lived in Alaska, people would probably go, oh, there's nothing to it, but it's sure. 40 some odd degrees. I mean, that's really. cold. That it's is cold. very cold. And we were in shorts. We had shorts and we had neoprene socks, thin neoprene socks, and uh, which you can wear with your hiking boots or you can rent hiking boots. I'll talk about that in a minute at the, up near the visitor center at the outfitter store, but we had our own gear. So we got the neoprene socks because we use them when we snorkel on other occasions and for hiking when we're like rappelling down waterfalls. And yeah. I didn't want to put my good boots in the water. So we have hiking sandals that give adequate heel and toe protection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be banging your toes on the bottom of that river. Right. <laughs> so right. Uh, but we were in shorts, um, you know, quick dry clothing. And underneath okay. that was a layer. And I just had a T-shirt and a uh, thinly lined waterproof windbreaker and then I think the windbreaker was the real key here that's something I could zip up on my neck keep my neck uh -huh. warm and then uh, you want a hat on just because the sun once once you're out in the sun when you get off that hike and in the latter part of the hike returning that just beats down on you but the hat was also there to keep my head warm I just wore a mm -hmm. ball cap so, no, I didn't see anybody in wetsuits or dry suits. Most people were hiking in shorts, but I think the people that were out there in shorts and T-shirts, they were cold. They didn't, oh. have, they didn't have a jacket on. They really didn't come prepared, and I, I felt sorry for them. So uh, a lot of people, I think, just made it you know, about 15 or 20 minutes up the river and turned around because they weren't prepared. They didn't have the right foot gear, or they didn't have warm upper layer, our outer layers, and and or they had not protected their phones or their cameras or had a dry bag with them like we did to keep stuff in. I just think they weren't prepared. They, they didn't realize mm -hmm. what this would be. So let's say you just showed up to Zion and you weren't prepared. Um, are you able to rent a, a dry bag or some neoprene socks or something like that for the day to yeah, go it's really on this cool. hike? Um, so the Zion Outfitter store, I'd heard about this from friends who did, who went this route, uh, the Zion Outfitter store where I suggested people park if they can, which is right there at the entry of the park. Can't miss it. Gigantic sign, Zion Outfitters. And everybody's flowing in there right next to the main uh, shuttle stop there. Mm -hmm. And they will rent at different times of the year. They have different packages. So if you just go online, Zion Outfitter store, you can look at it, but for $25, they have uh, their, their warm weather package that they call it, and that's $25 per person, and that gets you the neoprene socks and their water hiking boots, which really look cool. I mean, they're, they're the cool okay. They're bright yellow and, you know, neon blue and neon green and different sizes for different people. Uh, so you get the socks, you get the, they kind of look like giant Crocs, you know, like hiking Crocs, sort of like okay. that. And you yeah. get a wooden stick. A big, thick hiking stick. So for $25, you can, you know, if you want to take the time and go in and just on the spur of the moment, wait in line and see if they've got your size and deal with that. You know, I'm sure that's going to take you some time in the morning, but you can do that. If you just don't have stuff and you didn't prepare stuff and you decide to take this hike. But if you thought about taking the hike, I don't know, the week before you went there or so, you know, you can just go online because you can reserve your package for the day you intend to hike. 
So they've got uh-huh. a, a handy online reservation calendar, and uh, I'll share that link with you. If you'd mm-hmm. like to share it when your show notes, and uh, that's yeah. pretty cool. So you can yeah. actually reserve, you know, I suppose I didn't go through the form, but I'm sure they have information there for your foot size and so forth. And wouldn't that be cool to just show up and go pick up your package? And the neat thing is that store opens up, at least in the season that we were there, they, I'm sure they have different operating hours at different times of the year, but uh, during the height of hiking season, they open uh, at 7 a.m. So you can still catch an early shuttle. Right. And then get in, get your package and get in the water. Yeah. And you're renting this stuff. So you have to return it when you finish. But that uh-huh. that, that was really cool. So the only thing you need there is just I, I, I'm sure you can buy dry bags, day packs. You can buy anything you want in that store mm-hmm. uh, to secure your phone. They've got these handy little or hang around your neck on a lanyard, clear uh, phone protectors that, that have this really interesting snap and and turn secure um apparatus on the top of this pouch and the pouch hangs around your neck so you can carry your phone with you while you're stomping through the water you'll have to reach into the pouch and undo the pouch and pull your phone out and you know to take pictures but that's pretty handy they've got those there too i don't think they're for rent though i think you have to purchase those Uh uh-huh yeah Wow. I mean, what a fun and cold and amazing experience. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, we chose that. There's a couple of other, you know, sort of well-known like Angel's Landing hike, which is a lot more, I think, energy expenditure than uh, we did. We couldn't do both. I mean, I really Mm -hmm. would have have done both, but that just would have been too much for one day for us considering we had a very busy itinerary in front of us. So for me, it was a toss up between the narrows and angels landing. But the more I looked at it, I thought, you know, I got to do the narrows because I just want to, I want to test myself. I I love to test myself on these trips and I want to be able to say that I did it. And I'm, I'm like a cat. I don't like being in, well, maybe, maybe a porpoise. Uh, (laughs) I love water, but I don't like cold water, <laughs> and I don't like okay. fast-flowing water. I'm a diver from way back, and I don't like current, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a diver, and I don't love cold water, so I feel like I would have a five mil or a dry suit for this. <laughs> I'm a weenie. <laughs> no, you'll be fine with shorts, really, because you're going to be freezing cold anyway. And after a while, the numbness just sets in. And, you know, you know <laughs> you're really selling it, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. People who do this, really, people who do it, I've never spoken to anyone who's done this. I've spoken to quite a few people who have. My adventurous friends. Or some acquaintances on the internet, and they just say, I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad it was marvelous. It was just fascinating because really the hike itself is the adventure, but the payoff is being in that slot canyon and being in between those walls and looking at the light reflecting off of those the walls of that slot canyon and being mm-hmm. literally immersed in the sound of this river. There's just wow. no getting away from it, and it's... um in a way it's kind of intimidating and nerve wracking and exhilarating and uncomfortable because you're cold, but you're just mm-hmm. spinning from ear to ear. So that's mm-hmm. kind of an experience. So a lot of adrenaline, I think. Yeah. So you went in late September. It Would you describe that as the ideal time to go or is there another time when people should also check it out? 
Uh, I think there are a lot of good times to go, really. Um, there are different reasons for going at different times of year. Uh, the reason we chose this was it was time for us. We knew we wanted to be out in the deserts in uh, late September, maybe early October, because of some of the places we were going to go on our lengthy trip. And we mm -hmm. were going to be experiencing different elevations. And at the higher elevations, I didn't want to run into the risk of too cold temperatures for us to hike up at those elevations when we got there. But I also did not want to be out in the middle of the desert, which we spent quite a bit of time further to the east in desert environments. I didn't want to be out there when the air temperature was going to be 100 plus degrees during the day. So mm -hmm. I looked out at the history of temperatures for each of the areas where we stopped on our big loop drive over 10 days. And I saw that those temperatures started to average out a little bit lower, five, six, eight, ten 10 degrees lower mm -hmm. as you got closer to the end of September. So it's before the fall, before the cold, before it gets really cold in the high mountain passes, after the kids have gone back into school, that's important, but not mm -hmm. so, um, not in the super attenuated heat of the summer in the desert, which can still be very much in up to, you know, the third or fourth week, maybe in September. Mm -hmm. It gets hot out there on those, in the desert. So, yeah. That's why yeah. I chose, but some people go in the spring, some people go in the early spring, which could be dicey. They may or may not be able to get into that canyon if there's a lot of snow melt. Others right. just can't make it any other time than midsummer, June, July, August. So I would say there's no there are there's no bad time, I think, between the spring and the early fall. Um, mm -hmm. because you will run into crowds any way you look at it. Yeah. Uh, you are the queen of hidden gems. Uh, did you discover any hidden gems in uh, Zion uh, before or after your hike? What do you think? <laughs> I think yes. <laughs> I all right. I don't claim to discover this. I'm not Magellan, but I did okay. bump into. I did bump into in my um, planning a certain area called the Kolob K O L O B. Kolob mm -hmm. Terrace Road. It's also referred to as Zion hyphen Kolob Terrace Road. And it was described in, uh, I think, somebody's blog or something somewhere as, you know, hey, if you want to get away from the crowds at Zion, but you still want to get see Zion and be at the edge of the park and even inside the park and, you know, you can spend a day and there's lots of hikes and so forth and so on. Talk about getting away from the crowds. You should go up this road. So I Google mapped it and checked it out. And I went, oh, gosh, we're staying right near there. We're not staying in Springdale. We're staying like 30 minutes away from Springdale. Well, just golly, it was only like 15 or 20 minutes drive from the town of Springdale. Just go west on Highway 9, the only highway out there. And you get to this little town of Virgin. Well, Virgin River, right? Narrows, Virgin, the town of Virgin, Virgin River. Okay, that was easy to remember. And that's where we could jump on this Kolob Terrace Road. And the more I looked at it, I went, oh, boy, that looks like the perfect place to, after just kind of wearing ourselves out at the Narrows hike, and we're staying a few miles further west, that is where we're spending the night. So why don't we just stop here and go up this Kolob Terrace Road in the afternoon, maybe after lunch or, I don't know, pack a picnic or something and take our little cooler with us in the car and let's just go drive up this road because it's supposed to be nice for sunset views. Well, so glad we did. I mean, first of all, you're out. It's just this rural road. I mean, you think you're going to like, it looks like 
the little bitty town of Virgin, which is teeny, you, you come out of the town of Virgin and you're on this black paved road that just starts going up and down hills and winding around and you're kind of out in pasture land and you've left the town very quickly. And suddenly you come up over a little rise just out of the town and whoop, there's the whole western side of Zion National Park right there. Just not, not five, six, seven miles away from you, four miles, as close as two miles in places. You're like, whoa, wow, look at that. It's the afternoon. <laughs> the sun is just shining on that western wall. I mean, you're looking into Zion National Park. Those pinks and those magentas, and you can see the light on the rocks. And in front of you in the middle ground is this brown tussock grass is turning golden because it's getting close to fall. And it's just nature. There are no houses. There are no power lines. There are no planes overhead. There's no other traffic on the road. In fact, look out. There's a cow. You know, don't run over the cow. <laughs> and so you start going up and down these hills and around these winding roads. And the whole time you're seeing more and more and more. The further up this road you get, you're just seeing Zion Park. And next thing you know, you're in the park. You cross a boundary. A little sign shows up here on the right. You're just riding along the road. And it says, oh, welcome to Zion National Park. And like, oh. We're in the park. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And you're driving along and they've got, there's pullouts and you're getting higher and higher. You're gaining in elevation. You're looking over to your right shoulder. The sun is on your left shoulder, shining light, very lovely afternoon light. The sky overhead is just sapphire blue, not a cloud in it. The wind is lightly blowing across the landscape and you just want to get out of that car and just walk forever. It's just mm-hmm magnificent and you see these canyons and you see the color on those canyons and those giant walls it's it's like just a giant wall and in front of you is pasture land mm-hmm. and there may be a few cattle out there and then there's then you're oh, le- now leaving zion national park and you're like okay and suddenly there's this ranch in the middle of nowhere and it looks like it looks like a western movie scene i mean mm-hmm. even the entrance of this ranch you know with the wooden bar you know fancy entryway, you know, and you look way down this little bitty road and it winds toward those mountains there off to the distance. And you can see the ranch buildings there up against the mountains and the cattle are out there grazing and stop and take some pictures. I mean, this was a wonderful find. So we spent like, I don't know, like three hours just exploring along the Kolob Terrace Road. It's really well paved. It goes through, um, it goes all the way up through what's called Black Canyon and up to Lava mm-hmm. Point which is considered, well, besides being a backcountry road, um, that one, the further up you go, you'll run out of pavement toward the end of that road. And it's about, I think it's 20 miles or so in length. Mm-hmm. But you just get these open vistas. You get isolation. Uh, you can drive all the way up to Lava Point, which is the highest elevation in the park. And you can look wow. off into the distance and you can see mountains and vistas and you're just like, wow, we got this place all to ourselves. And then you, you mm-hmm. see little signs along the way when you're in the portions that are in the park, so-and-so hike, so-and-so hike. Well, some of the most isolated hikes in Zion National Park, you access them from the Kolob Terrace Road. Okay. So I was like, dang, wish we had more time. <laughs> we but uh, I also I'll share with you the link there because I found a really great link that uh, discusses in some detail the backcountry hikes that Uh you can take off of this Kolob Terrace area so if you want a break from the mass tourism that is Zion National Park uh, it's magnificent I can't 
I can't express just how the face of Zion Park is its own unique expression uh, of all the mm-hmm. places we were out west. It just looks so like Zion. Any picture you see mm-hmm. of it, you're just like, ah, oh, that's Zion. I know that place. Anyway, this is a great place to get away from those crowds and just get a piece of Zion all for yourself. I love it. Well, I will make sure to include that information and a link um, to some of these tips and that sort of thing in the show notes on experiencesyoushouldhave.com. And there will be photos from uh, your trip there and just, just more information and tips. My gosh, Lynn, you are a gem. I mean, I love that you are adventuring out there. You're trying new things. You're hiking and cold water and and you're really you're experiencing on your vacations which I think is pretty awesome that's how I like to travel and I I just truly appreciate you you going out there and trying new things and sharing these experiences with our listeners well I am very happy to share and if you have the opportunity do it do the Zion Narrows hike it's remarkable Mm. Ah. Fabulous. Well, it's been added to my list, uh, as well as the Cola Canyons. I mean, that sounds like an amazing drive you can do. Um, the Colab Terrace Road, absolutely. Because that, yeah, that's that's different from Colab Canyons. Which oh, is, okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, I know. I got confused too. I was like, wait a minute, Colab Colab what? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. Well, but yeah, another little hidden gem just up the road, about forty miles from Springdale, and is part of Zion National Park. So your day pass, which is good for seven days, will get uh-huh. you into this section of the park where the buses don't go, the uh-huh. traffic isn't there. There's there are up to twenty hikes you can go on at the Colab Canyons. All you have to do is get out on the highway. And go north, 40 miles north of, of Zion Canyon. And it's actually the Colab Canyon section of the park. It's pristine. It's primeval. It's a wilderness area. So if you want to do some wilderness hiking, there are, again, great hikes. You can look it up online. But the important mm-hmm. thing that I thought was so neat about it, it's only like a five-mile drive in your car. So if you get to the little visitor center there at the Colab Canyons, you pay your fee or you show them your pass that you already have. You jump in your car and you start going up this road. Oh, my gosh. It's like, mm-hmm. wow. Those, they're, like, they're called finger canyons. And if you can imagine mm-hmm. this hand sort of like reaching out towards you and you're driving along this road and you're gaining elevation and it's windy, windy, and you have to pay attention. At least I did. I was driving and I look off to my left and you can look down into these fingers. It's like a hand with open fingers coming out at you. And these canyon uh-huh. walls are just you know, carving into in between these fingers and in in front of those canyons are the bright, bright greenery and up overhead is that sapphire blue sky again. And the uh-huh. color of the rocks there are, I never saw so much pink in all my life, every kind of shade of pink. And this was like at, I don't know, 1030 in the morning when we drove this one. But we're driving all along this five mile stretch and you're seeing these canyons are getting higher and higher. And we just took our time. There were different pull-offs you could look. Cause you can't you can't absorb it all. It, you just mm-hmm. can't without getting out and standing in it, and just kind of uh, you know, mm-hmm. soaking it up. And there were I saw some colors of orange in that rock, and and like salmon, and some browns, and some chocolates, and some whites, and some gray ash, and. It's just amazing. And by the time we got up to the end of the road, uh, which ends at the Colab Canyons viewpoint, 
sort of windy, you know, park your car and walk out and go up this slight rise and whew, the wind hits you and you're looking at this wall, this canyon wall in front of you that's just lit up by the early morning or even the late afternoon light. And it just goes on forever from your left wow. to your right as far as you can see. And you can see these canyons. And on the day we were there, actually, we had scudding clouds overhead. Yeah, we had a windstorm that had come in the night before. So the big, white, fluffy clouds, but they're moving really quick across the landscape. The shadows are. So it was really uh -huh. cool to, like, roll some video, like do a video pan. And you could just see that those shadows just moving so quickly across that landscape. It was really neat. It would go from shadow to bright lit. And you could see all the colors coming out in that stone and the rocks and the those canyons and it is truly a, a panoramic panoramic vista because wow. you can look down into these narrow parallel box canyons and you're looking at 2,000 foot tall cliffs right there in front of you and they're not that mm -hmm. far away so the scale just is mind-blowing and um those colors I, it's, that's what I think of when I think of Zion I just think of the brilliance of the rock contrasting against the bright green of the greenery mm -hmm. and the sky overhead and the wind blowing and the silence. All I could hear was just the wind through the scrub around us. And uh, I actually heard a call. Um, there was a hawk up in, up in the distance. Must have been upwind of us because I could hear it calling. And I looked up there and I spotted this little hawk oh. way up high. Neat place. So that's Colab Canyons. And it's Colab off Canyons. our exit 40 on Interstate 15 about 40 miles north of Zion Canyon. So can you get to Kolob Canyons from the Kolob Terrace Road, or they're just similarly named? Um, they're similarly named, but Kolob Ca Canyons is 40 miles north of Zion, whereas the, yeah. the entrance to Zion is Springdale, okay. Pacific, yeah. So, so they don't connect in any way. stretches out to the north, and Kolob okay. Canyons is way up there in that north corner, northwest corner of Zion National Park, whereas the Kolob Terrace Road is like if you're in Springdale and you're facing north, it's off your left shoulder. It's off okay. the west of you. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Well, I mean, what an experience. You can go hike the Narrows and then you can go experience Kolob Terrace Road and then uh, go on a hidden gym 40 miles north to Kolob Canyons. Yeah, uh, and you could do all that in a day and a half when, like we did. We squeezed it all in, and wow. we're glad that we did. It was It's an amazing place, the whole area. You could spend weeks there, I'm sure, and not see it all, but we had to move on. But mm -hmm. um, if you get a chance, you really must see Zion in any way that you can. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's on my list. I, I first heard about it 10 years ago when I was road tripping to Oregon. And um, I met some some gals at a hostel, and they had just come from Zion. And I have, I've wanted to go ever since. And it just, it, I haven't done, I haven't done it yet. But you've given me the inspiration to go get a wetsuit and some very high boots with loud traction <laughs> and a dry bag and, and go try it out. <laughs> okay, honestly, you won't you won't need the wetsuit. Okay, all right. Fine, I'll wear shorts. <laughs> okay, some really good boots, attraction, and a dry bag. There you go. <laughs> okay, and food and water. Wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Lynn. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Um, and 
for you listeners out there, please go check out the show notes. I'll link uh, to our previous episodes with Lynn um, and you can follow her adventures. Um, so, I mean, you are just the perfect person for the show for our experienced seekers out there who are experienced focus, who love adventure, travel, and just want to know a little bit more of, of how to go make that really cool thing happen. Truly amazing as always, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. It's been a pleasure as always. Haha. <laughs> well, until our next adventure on experiences you should have. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And also uh, visit us at experiencesyoushouldhave.com. Um, there we've got really nice show notes so with photos, links, um, all the information that you would want and more. And, and please share this podcast with a friend. We are an indie travel podcast and uh, we are not supported by OPB or WNYC or any of those fun places. So if you could share this podcast with a family member, a friend, someone who enjoys travel and experiences. And if you can't travel right now, at least it's a way to get away and virtual travel. So uh, thanks and until our next adventure.